102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. It's pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you will need them. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we're going to call it today, do so. Just, if you post comments, please don't suck. Try to get to the point. Make the show better if you can. On Twitter or X, it's at Jeff Ward Show. That's at Jeff Ward Show. And if you want to check out the podcast, the podcast is available wherever you download your podcast. You can get the Jeff Ward Show podcast anywhere. Just make sure you subscribe to it. I would say the same thing about the YouTube channel. Even though it looked like Shrek, check it out today. The Jeff Ward Show is on YouTube. We post it each afternoon. You know, normally I like to do the uh, the overreaction versus reality thing every Monday during the football season. There's like two variations of it today. Like I can spin off with another part of it, um, but I'll stick to overreactions versus reality. And then out of that is, I guess, there's something only the playoffs could have done, and that is help or hurt the legacy. So <clears throat> think of it in those terms. Okay, so let's start with overreaction. And most of these, I have to own them because most of these are my own overreactions leading up to this weekend. For the most part, most of us were wrong, right? Most of us were wrong about, certainly about the Kansas City Chiefs. Most of us were wrong, really wrong, about the Baltimore Ravens and the organization itself. It was shocking, the most shocking thing out of the weekend is not that Kansas City was as good as they were. It's not that the Kansas City defense was as good as it was. The most shocking part of the weekend is the Baltimore Ravens were an unhinged train wreck. They were completely undisciplined. They were clueless. That, that's what's most surprising about the weekend. So let's do this. Overreaction. The Baltimore Ravens defense, which was not just the best defense in the league this year, I think I even said last Thursday or Friday, it's one of the best defenses of the last three or four years. But the Baltimore Ravens defense would be too much for Kansas City. Reality. The Chiefs' defense was better. Much better. Ridiculously good. Again, all of the conversation, and it's and it's some of it's fair, okay? <clears throat> all the conversation is going to be about Patrick Mahomes, and everything's going to be about the Patrick Mahomes legacy. It's going to be about them being a dynasty. It's going to be about him and Brady and all that stuff. And that's fine, because he was great. The guy completed 11, what, 11 of his first 12 passes, and the one incompletion was a drop. So the story of the game, though, I know it's crazy. The story of the game is the Kansas City defense, which had been good all year, but reality is we didn't know how good they were going to be. So they scored 17 in the first half. They were shut out the entire second half. Now, how many teams and how many times can a team go on the road and score zero points in the second half and win? It doesn't happen during the regular season. It never happens in the postseason. The story of the game, the reality of the Kansas City Chiefs, for all the stuff about Mahomes, right? The story of the game is their defense giving up 10 points on the road. 
here's what they've done. And I don't know. Maybe it's because they didn't have any super big names on defense. I don't know why. We knew they were good on defense. I don't know why we didn't know more. I don't know. But they owned the Baltimore Ravens, which is unheard of. All right, so Kansas City goes on the road. They shut down the best rushing offense in the NFL. That's what they did. They gave up 10 points in three playoff games. They've given up 7, 24 against Buffalo, and now 10 the last two games on the road. Baltimore has the best rushing offense in the NFL. They have 81 yards. And most of that stuff, most of the 81, is because of Lamar Jackson scrambles. So then you get to, well, how does that all work together? That's because Patrick Mahomes was a game manager. And everybody uses the term game manager. We all say it too much. It's just kind of a goofy term. But the term game manager is tossed around all the time. It's almost become a criticism. But if you look at the greatness of Mahomes, knowing that he has a good defense, that's exactly what Patrick Mahomes has done. His team goes out and and holds Baltimore to 10 points. He doesn't make a mistake. He has zero, count them up, zero interceptions. He's sacked twice in three playoff games. That's it. He was sacked zero times against Baltimore. Lamar Jackson... The league's MVP has 67 yards passing in the first half. Kansas City sacked Lamar Jackson. That's not like they're chasing around some stiff. Kansas City sacked Lamar Jackson four times. The reality, their defense was better. Their defense won them the game. And their quarterback managed the game. And it's not a criticism. Uh, Overreaction. Oh, boy. Travis Kelsey has gotten soft. He's lost his focus because of Yoko Swift, though. Travis Kelsey Swift was getting sluggish and didn't care and was packing it in. Going to be a Hall of Famer, but he was packing it in. Reality. Uh, Baltimore had no answer. Like, he looked like he was 25. They had no answer. He looked as good in that game, certainly in the first half, as he's ever looked. He catches six balls. Remember, this is against Baltimore. I said on Friday the best player on the field would be a guy by the name of Kyle Hamilton. Nobody knows who that is. A safety for Baltimore. I thought he would be the best player. He'd been the best player in the field for the playoffs. I thought he'd be the best player on the field against Kansas City, and Travis Kelsey schooled him. Schooled him. He catches six in the first half and a touchdown. He catches 11 in the game, and then the most ridiculous thing that I never thought I'd be saying, he passes Jerry Rice for most postseason receptions. He now has, I think the number is 156, and he's got a game left, and he's not going to get shut out. So he has 156. Jerry Rice has, I believe it's 151. And there's no way he gets shut out in the Super Bowl. Jerry Rice is the best to ever play his position. And it's not like he didn't play in a bunch of playoff games. It's a ridiculous stat. The argument for Travis Kelsey goes from, you know, forget the Travis Swifty, the argument goes from, you know, is he, uh, is he one of the best tight ends ever to the issue of whether or not he's the best tight end ever. Reality is he was light years better than the Baltimore defense. Overreaction. Uh-oh. Look out. Detroit head coach Dan Campbell. I was sick of the term during the regular season. I was sick of the term when it happened. And now I hope it goes away for good. 
Dan Campbell, the head coach of Detroit, is, quote, aggressive in his play calling, and that's why Detroit got to the NFC Championship game. Reality. No. No. Aggressive has become, in my word, the code word for stupid. He didn't win because he's aggressive. Part of the reason why Detroit lost, not all the reason, I'm not going to go there yet, but part of the reason why Detroit lost is because aggressive equals dumb. Aggressive is dumb. Aggressive means going forward on fourth and two when you have a 92% chance of getting points that would put you up by three scores. See, that, that's, that's dumb. That's dumb to go forward on fourth and two. I've heard this all year. And I know he's a lovable character and it's a fun story and all that stuff. And I know fans love to see fourth and go forward or fourth and, you know, don't kick field goals. Don't do that stuff. But all year, it's decisions like that. And he's not the only one. It's become an issue in pro football. But you could easily get three points. You could easily get three scores. And if you bypass that, that's not aggressive. That's dumb. It's just dumb. He and his play caller, which I think is even worse than just to show you how they have this mentality, and the mentality is, is dumb. It's not aggressive. It's dumb. He and his play caller decide, I don't know what point of the game, late in the game, so they've got, they've got time is running out. I think they have five minutes left. In, no, three to five minutes left in the game. And they're at the San Francisco 47, I think it was. And they decide to run the ball, which they didn't don't score, which then in turn, of course, makes them burn a timeout. Now, they ended up not, of course, not winning, but not getting the onside kick. So we're not talking about it as much, but it was just a dumb move. It's a dumb move. And I think the dumb move comes from everybody thinking it's so cool to sort of do this stuff and then call it aggressive. He is a likable guy. Um, he's done a lot. They're a good team. They're a really good team. But the crazy stuff needs to stop. It's conservative is far better. It is. The crazy stuff that goes on in games, especially when they have a good team, it just needs to stop. So, you know, look, I thought the guy handled himself really well in the post-game news conference. I thought he, you know, I mean, I thought he's, he's always sincere. He's, it's the reason why people like him. And I thought what he said about you never know if you're going to get back was cool. It's true. But I'm hopeful that he owns how stupid these decisions were, and I hope more people understand how dumb they were. Yeah, I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know, and it's easy hindsight. I get it, you know. I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't. We didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but, you know, we just, just didn't work out. Okay, look, um, no, no. See, we're doing reality 
or is this overreaction and you should regret those decisions? You lost. Now, it's not all because of that. It's not. Here's what I, here's what I hope happens. I really do. That, and I was hoping he would own it more. Not because I want to see the guy stand up there and suffer. And he, you know, he's been out of shape. His team blew a giant lead. They melted down. And, you know, like he said, I think that guy knows. You have no idea what injuries are going to do the next year. You have no idea if he can make it back. But what I hope happens out of this game is that we start to learn the difference between being aggressive and being dumb. And dumb costs you. It's not cool. It's just, it doesn't work. Going for it when you're ahead and could go up three scores on fourth and two when you can get points is dumb. He should regret it. Anyone who does stuff like that should regret it. So Andy Reid, I'll tell you the difference between aggressive and dumb. Here's what I think is aggressive. And it's minimized, right? It's minimized by who's who's involved. So Andy Reid lets his quarterback, the quarterback's the best game, best player in the game. Some would say the best quarterback of all time, but not yet. Um, so Andy Reid decides to be aggressive. This is aggressive. It's not dumb. So Patrick Mahomes has zero interceptions in the game. You trust him with the ball in his hand. You trust him to make decisions. You, you know exactly what you're doing and why. He has zero interceptions in the playoffs. And so he lets the best quarterback in the game dial up a play-action pass. This is aggressive. This is dumb. This is aggressive. He dials up that play-action pass. And everybody in the stadium, this is at third and nine. The Chiefs are trying to run out the clock. The, the, the Ravens think they're going to get the ball back or try to get the ball back. Right? It's third and nine, and everyone expects them to run the ball. And so he decides to run a play-action pass. He goes over the top of the defense on third and nine and gets like 24 yards. Now, you would say, well, that's pretty risky. Well, not with a guy with zero interceptions. Uh, also, they're also thinking they get a pass interference call, and it's game over. Worst thing that happens is it's incomplete and they punt it away. Worst thing that happens is, even worse, the ball's picked off and it's a punt. That's aggressive. The risk of a downfield completion or incompletion than a punt is worth the risk. That's not a stupid thing to do. That's not dumb. That's aggressive. Dumb loses. I almost hope that you know, everybody spends more time talking about and dissecting these, you know, these fourth down calls and these, uh, you know, going for it um, and, and, and the stuff that Dan Campbell does in any coach. Because I'm hoping that it starts to sink in in the game itself and it's boring for fans, but I hope it sinks in. You got to stop doing that stuff. Just play the percentages. Just play the field position and move on. Now, out of overreaction versus reality, is what I think is, and it can only happen because this weekend. It was weird. It's because there's so many big stars in the game, because there's so many you know like crazy stuff that happens on and off the field. There's even Taylor Swift. There's a Tony Romo mix. There's a Greg Olson mix. There's a Tom Brady mix. All the stuff that happens around these two games, these championship games, it makes me create, was the legacy helped or was the legacy hurt? That's what I spin out of this. So think in those terms. It could be reputation. It could be narrative. Whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But was the legacy helped or was the legacy hurt? Jeff Ward. Weekdays on 102.7 ESPN.
listening to the Jeff Ward Show. You better like that, kid. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday, and because both were at the games, if you had a drinking game of celebrity sightings, if you had a drinking game of who gets the most FaceTime, and no, Bob Seger was not in the top two. If you had a drinking game trying to figure out who would get the most mentions, who would get the most camera angles between uh, Taylor Swift and Marshall Mathers, how do you think that one played out? Do you think Marshall Mathers had more than Taylor Swift? Do you think Bob Seger had more than Taylor Swift? So you can you imagine... And I don't blame them for doing it. Can you imagine? I think CBS has the Super Bowl. So that would be Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Can you imagine the Taylor Swift mentions leading up to the Super Bowl? She will be mentioned more than Patrick Mahomes, probably. So here's why there were fewer, there were fewer shots of Marshall Mathers and far more shots of Taylor Swift. So there she is. She's doing the giggling thing and jumping up and down and all that stuff while they're playing the Ravens. Then you go over to Marshall Mathers. So I don't know if there was even a mention or one shot of Marshall Mathers until the end of the game. And there he is in a hoodie. Do you know what Marshall Mathers did towards the end of the game between San Francisco and Detroit? Because he's out. He's in a box, right? And it's, uh, I guess it's open air. So Marshall Mathers decided that he would step out to the box because a lot of people have their phones out. I guess they finally realized Marshall Mathers is up in the box. Marshall Mathers, with his forearm tattoos, decided to go ahead and flip everybody off. It made me happy. He was growling at the crowd and he flipped them off. I believe that was the only shot. And I think that was even Twitter. I'm pretty sure Fox, which I would have loved it. You know, if they had the guts, Fox would have showed it. But uh, I would have loved to hear Greg Molson commenting about Marshall Mathers flipping off the crowd. And the funny thing is, because it's... <laughs> Brandon just showed me the picture. Yeah, he, t- he took the hoodie off just so you would... You know, like he did, he did both hands. He did right, right there. He did both hands at everyone. It made me so happy because there you have kind of the bubblegum thing with Taylor Swift, blah blah blah. And I thought, no, no, no. There's a very angry Marshall Mathers who is no joke, ten feet above the crowd. And he just walked out there. He was pissed and said, "Here, take this." And he made sure they all got it on Twitter too, because everyone, like, if you look at the picture. If you look at the picture, everyone has their phone out. It's almost like somebody announced, hey, everybody, turn to the left of the south section of the stadium. Marshall Mathers is going to flip you off. And he did, and it was classic. I, I'm upset that Detroit lost because I want Marshall Mathers to do more terrible stuff like that. That makes me happy. Wait, Jeff, who's Marshall Mathers? Look it up. Look it up. Who do you think would flip off the crowd at a Detroit Lions game? It's not Bob Seeger. Okay, Bob Seeger, who has actually made a few appearances now. Bob Seeger, I don't think he flips anybody off. Bob Seeger seems happy. Marshall Mathers is not happy. All right, so this past weekend, um, you know, it just it hit me about 45 seconds ago that 
the storylines aren't just about the games themselves. It's the legacies, the narratives, the reputation, whatever you want to call it. They weren't, uh, to be fair, the legacies or the narrative about these players and coaches and broadcasters, because I think a huge story is coming out of it in broadcasting. But it's they're not finalized. They're not sealed. Like you're, you're, you're not defined. Lamar Jackson is not defined by this past weekend. But the narrative is, you know, it's it's pretty significant. You know, Patrick Mahomes is not absolutely defined by this past weekend, but the narrative is pretty significant. Andy Reid, not completely defined yet by this past weekend, but you can't deny that it matters a lot. There's a lot of that stuff when you think about it. So I want you to I want you to think about this. You can agree or disagree. Because it's kind of all over the map, but it's all that stuff of the, those two games that comes out of those games that really creates what we think over the next couple of years about these players, coaches, and broadcasters. All right, agree or, agree or disagree. Those, the legacies, the reputations, the narrative that took a hit. I mean, a real hit. I mean, really painful. Okay, think about those. Number one is John Harbaugh. That, that That is not okay. What happened yesterday is not okay. John Harbaugh is the head coach of the Ravens. I actually one time advocated for John Harbaugh to be the next coach at Texas. John Harbaugh is a has been a rock-solid coach who has a world championship. He works for a solid organization. They do everything right. Stupid stuff doesn't happen with the Ravens. Stupid stuff happens with the Cowboys. Stupid stuff does not happen with the Ravens. Stupid stuff happens with Carolina. Stupid stuff does not happen with the Ravens. They were, most of us thought, man for man, the best roster in the NFL. They had dismantled good teams, including San Francisco, during the regular season. They completely demolished Houston. Why John Harbaugh? I'll tell you why John Harbaugh. His team was dumb. His team was not just dumb. His team was unhinged. They were out of control. They're like some college team in their second game of the season. I could not believe a John Harbaugh team was such a mess. They had, what, they have five unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. And they weren't just unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. They were full-on assaults. Guys freaking out and taunting players when they when they when they least can afford a penalty. You've got a, a, a hit on, on Patrick Mahomes. It should have been an ejection. His team was a mess. His play calling was a mess. Or you're gonna say, well, gosh, Jeff, it was only 17 to 10. But their roster is better than that. They're a better team than that. They just panicked. That's my takeaway. They panicked. When they couldn't do what they wanted to do. When they figured out Kansas City was going to carve them up right in the, early in the game, they panicked. I think, you know, for a guy that's got a Super Bowl, he does. I'm not going to say, I'm not pretending that he's not going to get back. But that legacy, that reputation took a hit. That of everyone with the Ravens yesterday, I think more so than Lamar Jackson, I think John Harbaugh is the one who took the hit. It was a bad look, bad performance, a absolutely, completely outcoached and outclassed all the way through. Uh, Lamar Jackson. <sighs> I, don't, I don't, I put less, I think, yes, his legacy is going to be hurt. The reputation is going to be damaged. 
because everybody does this thing. Well, you won the MVP, you're on the best roster in the NFL, and yet you flame out at home. You have to put trophies in the case, and he hasn't. He hasn't. I mean, it's just it's what's and the fact that Patrick Mahomes with a, with a less than good offense can go in there, light him up, complete eleven of his first twelve, put on a master class in efficiency at quarterback. It made Lamar Jackson look worse. It certainly damaged the reputation. It damaged the legacy until he can fix it. I mean, that's the narrative now. That's what I'm talking about. These narratives are going to follow all these people until they change. Tony Romo. I don't know if the act is wearing thin, because I've called him the John Madden, you know, of our of our time, that he was, you know, he was the next must-listen-to, must-see analyst, like, like, uh, like Madden was. And he wasn't awful yesterday, but it's getting goofy. Goofy-er. Something's not working now in terms of the act, the sound. The, I don't know. Maybe it just got stale. I'm not sure. But I think it took a hit. Agree or disagree? Legacy took a hit. Dan Campbell. Sort of. I'm not going to be as hard on Dan Campbell as I am on John Harbaugh uh, because Dan Campbell is coming from nowhere. Dan Campbell's not coming from a place where we thought there was success. Dan Campbell's done a good job. He has. But his, I'm so risky, I'm going to be wild, I'll do whatever I want, we're, quote, aggressive, we're going to go for it, we don't care what people think, that whole mentality took a hit. It took a hit. Because the decisions made, at least two of them, arguably three, were dumb ideas. Really dumb ideas. And it made, I think it made him, I think it knocked him down a few rungs in the coaching world. Not just because they lost. The stuff that happened in the process of losing. It felt like a meltdown. It felt like a panic. You know, else, you know the other legacy that's taken a hit until he fixes it? And I don't think he will. Tom Brady. Well, gosh, Jeff, why Tom Brady? Tom Brady, because Tom Brady hasn't done anything yet, and he's replacing Greg Olson, who is was, as of yesterday and not today, the number one analyst for Fox, and I think really good, and was kind of a rock star, but he loses his gig for Tom Brady because Tom Brady signed a 10-year, $370 million contract with Fox without ever doing a game. So the bar now, it's like Brady can't, can't pull this off, right? I mean, I don't know if there's any way that Brady can now be good enough, quirky enough, interesting enough, funny enough to be able to make this work because he's replacing a guy that's really good, arguably the best, and then he's doing it with everybody either wanting to hate on him or wanting to love him and expecting him to be really good, and there's probably no chance he's going to be any good. I think, I think the last season, including yesterday's game with Greg Olson, made everything tougher for Tom Brady. I don't know how he's going to... He's going to try too hard, and when you try too hard in entertainment, you sound like a goofball. And that's going to be too bad. I think there's a real risk. I, I don't, I'm not saying the guy should back out, because you don't back away from $37 million, but I can, you know, the smart thing to do would be to say, you know what, let me... 
let me do games two and three instead of game one starting next year. Let me let me find my place. Let me find my way in. Instead, he's diving right in. He's the star. The legacies, the reputation, the narrative that was helped yesterday, in some cases dramatically. Okay, they were helped. Andy Reid, no doubt. Um, I mean, the numbers back it up. Andy Reid, I told you before that the way to look at really, really good coaches is they win in different ways. Those are really good head coaches. They win in different ways. The Chiefs win because of defense. The Chiefs win because Mahomes is smart. The Chiefs win because they don't do anything stupid. They don't turn the ball over in the playoffs. And they win with defense. They score zero points in the second half in win, and we're all bragging about them. So Andy Reid now is, he's in elite class. They are, we're now starting to look at the, the Chiefs like we do the Patriots. We're now starting to look at Andy Reid and start to talk about people like Landry and Noel and Shula and all these big names. Four coaches who have won three or more Super Bowls. Bill Belichick, Chuck Noll, Joe Gibbs, Bill Walsh. Andy Reid is one of 10 coaches with two Super Bowl wins. Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, Don Shula. Got it? How about this? Are the Chiefs a dynasty? It's hard to argue against. Cowboys won three titles in four seasons. The Chiefs are going for their third and four. They have another AFC championship and two extra AFC championship game appearances on top of that. They're now moving in that category of a conversation about, you know, the best coaches the game has known, which is funny because here's Andy Reid now carving out his place like a Mount Rushmore of coaches, and the guy with the most is the guy who can't even get a job, Bill Belichick. It's Andy Reid's 11th conference championship. Only Belichick has more. He has 13. The Chiefs are only the third team to reach the Super Bowl four times in a five-year period. Guess who the others were? The Patriots, for sure. The other was the Bills. So it's... All the numbers are now on his side. He now is... Let's see, his fifth Super Bowl. Belichick had nine. Shula, six. Landry, five. Now, I mean, he's in the conversation with Tom Landry. And it's true, and it's real. And he's done it in different ways. Help the legacy, help the reputation. Um, I don't know if it's a lot, but it's certainly noticeable. Brock Purdy. And it's not because they won. He didn't play a very good first half, and I don't know that he's a great player. But they came back and they closed the deal. And what he did was he played in such a different way. I mean, everybody knows the story. Seventh round pick, last guy picked in the draft, blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, everybody says, well, he's just a, just a game manager, which is exactly what Patrick Mahomes did. Well, he's uh, surrounded by a ton of talent. But what he did yesterday that you didn't notice before, he just did what he had to do to win, and that included running around like crazy. He was ridiculously athletic in the second half. He was making guys miss, and those are good defenders. I thought he helped himself. I thought he just, he took his game to a place you didn't know it existed. You don't need to do it during the regular season. But he took the game and just carried it. 
And when he had to make a spectacular play, he made a spectacular play. Here's a guy that's knocked all the time for not making spectacular plays, and he had at least four crazy good scrambles in the second half. I thought he helped himself a lot. Just the reputation. Legacy benefits. I'll tell you who benefited big time. On the same day that the Ravens embarrassed themselves, the model organization in the NFL, the anti-Cowboys in every single way, that's the Ravens. They looked like fools yesterday. The Chiefs, the Chiefs organization. They just keep getting it right, and they don't act stupid. There's nothing silly. They win in different ways. They lose arguably one of the three best receivers in football, Tyreek Hill. They, they, they score 17 points a game. And they're going back to the Super Bowl, and a lot of people think they'll win. And oh, by the way, they've kept a lot of the same coaches. Their defensive coordinator is now put on a master class. Apparently, he's not going anywhere. The organization now, I think, has replaced the Ravens as, wow, look how they get it. They get it all right. They, you don't hear a lot of noise. It's the anti-Cowboys in every way. They just keep getting it right. And it's not just because of Patrick Mahomes. Their organization now is, it's been elevated. Greg Olson, Fox analyst. He, um, he had a great game, was interesting as always, and lost his job on the same day. So he is the guy Brady is going to replace. And I think that's a shame. And it's not Tom Brady's fault. But it's kind of bad if you want to watch football games and be and have somebody say something interesting, have somebody say something compelling, have somebody know what they're talking about, or crack a few jokes. He does it. And his clothes are terrible. It's just he's got this quirky look about him that makes it fun. So he was the lead analyst for Fox, what, the last couple of years, I guess? This was Fox's last game for this season, which means he goes from the first guy for Fox to the second guy for Fox, which means he goes from $10 million a year to three. He's better than ever, and because Tom Brady's taking his spot, reportedly he loses $7 million a year. I know it's not bad, but I love what he said. He was asked about it. He goes, well, it sucks. Yeah. He helped himself yesterday, and he helped himself this way. Somebody else will want him. Somebody else will make a move. Somebody else who says, you know what? They got a guy better than Brady. Why don't we just go get him? Why don't we go get him? Who helped their legacy yesterday? And this one is a legacy. This is not a reputation. This is not a narrative. This is, this is the real thing. Uh, Travis Kelsey. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. What he did was ridiculous. The way he looked was ridiculous. He didn't do that. Catch 11 passes yesterday against Carolina. He didn't do it against uh, the Chargers. He did it against the best team in the NFL who had everything to play for, and he looked like he was 25 years old. He catches six passes in the first half, 11 for the game. He has, what, 135. When you pass Jerry Rice, you are in the ultimate company. Not good company. There's none better. I don't mind having the conversation that he might be the best tight end to ever play the game. I don't mind it. In fact, the over-under for Travis Kelsey catches on Sunday was six. He blows that up with five minutes left in the first half. 
he was unstoppable and went up against the best safety in football and did it like it was nothing. I mean, he, I don't know that he says he's going to come back and play. Um, you know, you can make all the oh, you know, we can make all the Taylor Swift jokes we want, and they're not hard. But if they win another one, would he walk away? Now, I'm not sure what more you can really get. You pass Jerry Rice and you keep winning Super Bowls. That's probably good enough. I thought the guy served himself well. I mean, he just he didn't he didn't he was going to be a Hall of Famer and going to be recognized as great no matter what. I think that took him to the conversation the best tight end to play the game. Then, of course, Patrick Mahomes. But Jeff, but Jeff, he didn't throw that many passes. He now has zero, count him up, zero interceptions in the playoffs. Yeah. So here's the deal when we start to have this conversation about Brady and Mahomes because we're there. All right, so Brady is... Mahomes, who was the game manager most of the season, Mahomes, the game manager in the playoffs, is also the Mahomes that can pull off the spectacular. Brady can pull off the cut your heart out, throw it down the field, keep operating kind of quarterback. Mahomes can be the spectacular. So they're different players in different ways, but the results now are ridiculous. It's deserved. I don't, I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback to play the game, but I will say he's the most dynamic and arguably one of the smartest to play the game. I mean, think about what they've asked him to do. Hey, man, go score 20. Don't make a mistake. Don't force it. And yet he forces it and makes zero mistakes. Zero interceptions. Zero. You don't get to him. And again, they're not playing Carolina. They're playing the best defense in the NFL, and you can't get to him. I don't know. Let's see. What is he now? One. He's the first quarterback under the age of 30 to play in, what is this now, his fourth Super Bowl? I mean, before 30. So, okay, so he plays to 35. I, don't, I mean, why would he play beyond 35? Why? Except to catch Brady. That's it. That's the conversation he's going to start having, and he's done it all before 30. The reason to stick around for him if he wins another one is to try to catch Brady. I don't think it's possible, but yeah, he belongs in the conversation with Brady. He does. If anyone wants to argue that, I'm not even sure what the argument is. He was 11 of 12 to start the game, and the only only incompletion was a drop against the best defense in the league. Yeah. I think uh, all the good stuff we said before, all the great stuff we said before, that just, he just took it and blew it up and made the conversation between two guys. The conversation now going forward is about Brady and Mahomes, Mahomes and Brady. That's where he is. Whoever was number two and three and four and five, Montana, Elway, Marino, Manning, blah, 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 all that stuff, I think it's Brady and Mahomes. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Ford Show podcast where the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. So the Kelsey brothers who, you know, somebody made a tweet the other day. By the way, your tweets are really weird at this point. I'm not sure what's up. But uh, 
They've been weird all weekend. Not not weird in a bad way, just a little nonsensical. But one of the more interesting tweets of the last few days when I was I was kind of bragging about the Manning cast. I think it's I think it's good and funny. Those guys kind of make me laugh, and I think it's a good idea. It's pretty creative. Somebody said, "Just wait, the Kelsey brothers are going to take that and you know and, and put it on steroids." And yeah, probably so. I could see that working. I do. So here is so they do the podcast every week. I'm not going to say anymore that Travis Kelsey is lacking focus because his attention is everywhere else. I mean, the guy, one time, you can make a pretty good case that Travis Kelsey, forget the Taylor Swift thing, you can make a case that he was overexposed. In other words, every third commercial, it was Travis Kelsey and to the point that you're, you're numb to it. But and then it looked like he wasn't going to play. wasn't playing very well late in the year. It just it sort of made sense. He's thirty four. He's played tight end. He's not hurt very often, but he's tired. His girlfriend's ridiculously rich. You know, who would blame the guy for kind of slowing down? And sure enough, he turns around the playoffs and is the best tight end in football, maybe the best to ever live. So he and his brother do the podcast, and the podcast and whatever show they do in the future. I would argue, has been helped immensely by his brother, who didn't need to quit because he's really good. He's a really good player, that center. Ridiculously athletic. But he's fat. And, of course, he's famous because he took his shirt off and was going nuts in a skybox with Taylor Swift during the last Chiefs game. Then he picks up the little girl, takes her up to see Taylor Swift and that whole storyline. So now he's explaining why he did it. I want you to listen to how many beers he said he had. And um, it just, I don't, dude, it was something about the entire day. I got caught up in the magic of Bill's Mafia. It is. It is electric. Everybody's, dude, was, the energy, uh, the shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, you, I got to have my shirt off at some point. And I didn't yeah. get to do it beforehand. What? And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, and I can't just take my shirt off in the box. Like, who takes your shirt off in a box? It's heated. Like, you're not really doing it. Now you're, you're just having your shirt off in a, yeah. yeah of course you, yeah. Real cool. So I'm like, that's, you know what? So I'm gonna, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of this box. So then I'm out of the box and I have my shirt off. And then I can be like my Buffalo Bills compadres. I had no That's, idea. This is how this my mind works on, after 40 Miller Lights. I, <laughs> <laughs> I had to shout at who knows what out yeah, of the bowling yeah, ball. That's right. That's right. What of you during the game, you celebrated my touchdown by taking off your shirt, screaming, jumping out of the suite, chugging a beer with the fans, then jumping back into the suite. It's correct. This is all accurate. I watched this and it was pure pandemonium. Just pandemonium, just confusion of who to cheer for. They, it was a Chiefs touchdown, but it looked well, like Bills. There's a lot of booze. There's a lot of booze. There's a lot of cheers, though, too. First of all, did you catch that? That would be 40, 40, 40 beers. 40 beers. And I believe him. I do. It's 40 beers, and it's like 8 o'clock at night. Um, I got it. Let me produce this show. Let me produce that show. Because these guys are going to drink a lot. I'm creating the Meathead Show. It's the Meathead Show. Like, bro media is a thing anyway. That's what I call it. It's just, you know, kind of a bunch of young dudes with neck beards. They're all over the place in the podcast space. Um, it's just 
how how disheveled can I look? How uninterested can I look? How many times can I say like and literally and say drop an F-bomb? That's kind of the whole genre. These guys can make it go to a better place with, I'm naming it now, The Meathead Show. The Meathead Show. I mean, they can do anything. They're the real thing. And they're famous and can get famous friends. And oh, by the way, one guy's girlfriend's the most famous person on the planet. The Meathead Show. Travis, Jason, Meathead Show. Jason, Travis, Meathead Show. The Meathead Show with Jason and Travis. I don't know the logo just yet, but I'm pretty sure the logo we're going to create is the shirtless brother looking like Sasquatch on the Meathead Show. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.